I want to welcome those of you who are joining us by uh, virtue of our podcast. We're in a series that is called uh, The Legend of Joe Jacobson. It's about a man by the name of Joseph, who was the son of a patriarch, one of the great famous patriarchs of Israel, named Jacob. So he is Joe Jacob's son. And if you have a Bible uh, with you this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Before we uh, start this, though, I want to be very sensitive to parents uh, with kids in the service. Let me just say that the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today uh, is mature. And if you would be sensitive, um, if you're sensitive about your kids hearing uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about today, this would be a good time to take them downstairs to our city kids uh, ministry. Um, we'll give you time to do that. While you're making your decisions on whether you want to take them downstairs or not, let me just recap where we have been so far in this series. When we first met Joseph, he was a 17-year-old kid. He's from a prominent, uh, very wealthy family, but a tragically dysfunctional family. In spite of this, God has chosen Joseph uh, to be the savior of his people. There is a famine coming. And before it's on anyone's radar, God is already working to rescue his people. He is raising up this young man named Joseph uh, to be a compassionate leader, uh, one who will use his power to rescue two nations of people. But a lot has to happen to get, Jason, uh, to get Joseph ready for that, to get him to that place. We know that Joseph's brothers hate him. They sold him to slave traders who carried him to Egypt. And then those slave traders sold him to a very powerful man, a man who is not to be trifled with. He is the chief executioner of Egypt, a man by the name of Potiphar. And yet, even though he's a slave, Joseph thrives in Potiphar's uh, world. Uh, Potiphar actually puts him in charge of his whole estate. Joseph is in charge of everything in the estate. But something happens that has the potential to jeopardize Joseph's very life. And we read this last week, but I want to read it one more time. Look at the last part of verse 6, chapter 39, Genesis chapter 39, last part of verse 6. The text says that Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Better translation of that, uh, the Hebrew text actually reads something more like this, uh, and I I said this last week, it reads, uh, here, sex, now. That's kind of the approach that Potiphar's wife is taking to this. Verse 8, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her uh, or to even be with her. For those of you who weren't here last week, we said that while this passage involves sexual temptation, the thing that's really at issue here in this passage is power and how you use it. Now, I'm not going to recap everything that we said last week, except just to say that Potiphar's wife uses her power to demand sex from Joseph, even though it would jeopardize Joseph's very life. But Joseph refuses to use his power that he's been given to this end. 
And did you notice what he said? Let me read it to you again. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Very strong words uh, that he's using there, wicked and sin. Don't you think that maybe he's just overreacting to this a little bit? Because after all, isn't this just sex? And he's calling it wicked. And he says it would be a sin for him to sleep with Potiphar's wife. Isn't that a little bit of an overreaction? It's just sex. Isn't it? I want to. I want to just. I want to pause for a moment because what I'm going to say is, I want you to trust me on this: that it is not intended in any way, shape, or form to make anyone feel guilty, and it's not intended to shame anyone. I, I, shame and guilt are not. They're not tools that are worthy of the name of Jesus Christ, and so I, that's not my point. I'm not trying to use either one of those things here. Instead, what I hope to do is to challenge you to begin to think about sex in a more open-minded and logically consistent way than most people in our culture think about sex. Now, that's probably you probably never thought that you would hear a pastor say, I want you to think about sex in a more open-minded way. But here, here's the reason I say that. Our culture has a very, even though they claim it's very open-minded, I want you to understand that our culture has a very closed-minded a very diminished view of sex. And the attitude that is pervasive in our culture is that it's just sex. And as long as two people mutually consent to it, it's just sex. And anyone who disagrees with that is old-fashioned and Victorian and repressive. But there's a gaping inconsistency in the whole it's just sex attitude that I have noticed in our culture. And maybe some of you have noticed this as well. People will say it's just sex until someone else has it with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife. Then it's all of a sudden not just sex. Have you noticed this? It's not just sex then, all of a sudden. Suddenly it becomes much more than just sex. It becomes more than just the manipulation of body parts. Suddenly sex means something because it's, it's a sign of commitment and intimacy all of a sudden. But here's my question, which is it? Is it just sex or is it a sign of commitment and intimacy? And if your answer is, well, it's kind of relative to each person in each situation, then my question to you is, how in the world could you blame someone for having sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife? Because perhaps to them, it's just sex. To say that sex is just sex requires a denial of the real meaning and the real power of sex. In other words, what I'm saying is to say that it's just sex is very close-minded. And it's logically inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense to say it that way. On the other hand, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this point, and I hope you will remember this. I hope you'll write it down somewhere. I hope you'll put it someplace. Because I don't think you're going to hear this anywhere else. The Christian view of sex is more open-minded, consistent, and meaningful than the culture's view of sex. Why? Because Christianity opens its mind to the idea that sex is more than just sex, that it can be more than just sex, that it is extremely powerful, that it is extremely meaningful, it is an extremely intimate act given to us by God as a way to experience enormous pleasure and as a way to demonstrate a whole life commitment to another person in every way that you can be committed to another person, legally, socially, spiritually, and physically. And this is a much more open-minded perspective of sex than the it's just sex, it's just physical, it means nothing more attitude. And it's more logically consistent than the culture's view of sex. You see, Christianity sees has this view of sex that we see sexual betrayal as a terrible betrayal because it's not just sex. It's a whole life commitment to another person to be vulnerable and to be intimate with them in a way that you will never be vulnerable and never be intimate with another human being. It is much more open-minded and logically consistent than the culture's view of sex. This is the reason that Joseph calls having sex with Potiphar's wife wicked and sin. It's because he recognizes that God is the creator of sex, and as such, God has authority over Joseph's sex life. Now, listen to me on this. This isn't an 85-year-old guy saying this. This is a handsome, well-built, virile guy between 20 and 30 who has this view of sex. (laughs) I'm talking about Joseph. Were you thinking I was talking about me? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Joseph. Ladies, let me ask you something. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer a guy who says, it's just sex? Or would you prefer a guy who says, it's so meaningful. I I, I will never use your body. I'll never use you just for my sexual pleasure. When I engage in sex, it's going to be with a person with whom I have made a legal, whole life, spiritual, emotional, and physical commitment to. And with that person only, I will be sexually intimate. Which would you prefer? It's just sex. Or, oh, it's sex. It's so meaningful. I'd never, I'd never, never do that selfishly with you. Which would you prefer? Again, I'm not, I'm really not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm not trying to shame anyone at all. What I'm trying to get you to see is that many of you have been lulled into thinking about sex in a way that's very close-minded and very inconsistent and very diminished. 
in fact so diminished that the it's just sex thing has led to the outbreak of an epidemic in our culture and even in our city that is responsible for greater damage and pain than crystal meth or obesity or any of the other issues that the city of Evansville deals with combined. And yet, no one is talking about it. It leads to, uh, this is just sex thing, leads to a more powerful and destructive addiction than any drug. And yet no one is talking about it. It's it's just sex thing has led to an epidemic that is affecting our children. And yet no one is talking about it. It has destroyed families, and it will destroy more families, and yet no one is talking about it. And because no one is talking about it, this thing thrives. This thing metastasizes in darkness and in silence, and it's time that someone talks about it. What what do you think I'm talking about? What is this epidemic that's so destructive that no one is talking about around here? It's, It's the use of and the proliferation of pornography. Specifically, internet pornography. That's always just a click away. And again, I'm not trying to shame or guilt anyone. I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm trying to bring into the light this thing that has caused so much destruction in so many lives. I have known men, I have known boys who are so addicted to pornography that they can't stop. And it has driven them to depths of depravity that you couldn't even, some of you could, imagine. I have known marriages that have been destroyed by pornography. I have known women who have been devastated by their spouse's use of pornography. I have known parents who have been devastated by the sudden disclosure of a child who has been using it. I have known children who have been sexually abused by men who use child pornography. I have known women who have been abused by men in the pornography industry. And I could go on and on. And the people who use the, you know, who create porn use the it's just sex mantra to support it. I want to share some statistics with you about pornography. First of all, you probably know this, that pornography is the number one uh, thing that's searched for on the Internet. Number one, 22,800,000 searches for pornography every month. The percentage of men who are 18 to 24 who visit porn sites in a typical month is 70%, and that is low. The percentage of women who are porn users is 33%. 2.5 billion emails are sent every day that are pornographic. The largest consumer of Internet porn are people between 35 and 49 years of age. Get this. The average age of the first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. The percentage of 15 to 17-year-olds having multiple hardcore porn exposures is 80%. 
the percentage of 8 to 16-year-olds having viewed porn online is 90%. And most of those saw it while they were doing their homework. And the number one day to search for pornography? Sunday. Sunday. And there's many more, and many more stats that I could share with you, and I don't have time. And no one's talking about this in this city. And I have to tell you that I'm very concerned about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm just, I'm very concerned about it. Not because I think it's my job to be the sex police or anything like that. And it's not my job to go out and shut down sexually oriented businesses. Look, people in America have... Uh, and, and in the city of Evansville, have the freedom to partake of that stuff. And it's not our job, and it's not my desire to go pick it or, or put all of those places out of business. That's not my job. But I'm concerned about this. Because I feel enormous compassion for people who've been told that this is, it's just sex. And as a result, they have been uh, damaged by pornography. I feel compassion for our children who are being exposed to pornography at such an early age. And I feel compassion for families that are being destroyed by pornography. And I feel compassion for the women who are abused by pornography. I feel compassion for the men who are enslaved to pornography, some of them in this room. And by the way, I don't know that. When I say some of them in this room, I don't know that. It's not that I'm counseling with someone and I know that to be the case. And I say that because I want you to know that I would never, if, if, I, I would never share what anyone is struggling with uh, that I'm counseling. I would never share that. You'll never hear anything that you come to me and talk about. You'll never hear it shared from here. Okay? So I just want to know. But, but I feel compassion for men who are enslaved by that. I feel compassion for boys who have no idea how this is warping their minds and actually physically changing the structure of their brains when they use it. And I feel compassion for the girls who will marry these boys. In our vision statement, we say as a church that we want to bring spiritual and social and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond. And those of you who've been with us from the very beginning may remember that we said that we were not going to evaluate our effectiveness as a church by just who comes to our church and how many people come to our church and how much money is given to our church. What we said was that we will value the effectiveness of our ministry by how the city of Evansville is doing. Well, here's an epidemic that is affecting our city. And no one is talking about it in our city. It's a bigger epidemic than the meth epidemic in our city. It's a bigger epidemic than the obesity epidemic in our city. It's bigger than anything else in our city, and no one is talking about it. But here's the big announcement that I have been promising you. We're going to change the fact that no one is talking about this, and we're going to change it in a big way. I reached out to a nationally known ministry, uh, you may have heard of this ministry. They've been on uh, ABC News Nightline. They've been on uh, CNN. They've probably every major um, news outlet uh, that you've 
that you can imagine in the country that you read or hear about. Uh, They've been on that. It's a a nationally known ministry called, get this, it's a funny name. You have to be really careful when you type this into your uh, search engine. It's called triplexchurch.com. Triplexchurch.com. And triplexchurch.com was a ministry that its purpose is to create awareness about the dangers of pornography and to help the people that are enslaved to it. And even to reach people in the industry with the message that Jesus loves even porn stars. On October the 17th and 18th, we're going to hold a, an event that it's going to be a conversation about pornography. It's going to be called Let's Talk About Porn. And it's going to be for our whole city. And it's going to be for uh, cities outside of Evansville. It's going to be for the whole tri-state region. It's going to consist of two events that are going to be held live here that I think people will be talking about for years to come. On Friday night, October the 17th, we're going to sponsor something live here that Triple X Church has done in 60 different locations, including churches uh, at other places around the country. And it's going to be called the Great Porn Debate. It's going to be on Friday night, October the 17th. It's going to be held here at the center. And what happens at the great porn debate is that a very well-known porn king by the name of Ron Jeremy, who has been the star of 1,700 porn films, will debate here the founder of Triple X Church, a pastor by the name of Craig Gross. And they're going to debate about the harmlessness or the danger of pornography. And as I said, it's going to be held live here at the center. And then on Saturday morning, the 18th, Craig Gross, the pastor and founder of triplexchurch.com, is going to hold a seminar called Porn and Parents. And it's designed to help parents understand how to protect their kids from pornography, especially internet pornography and the availability of that. And it's going to help educate parents about how pornography does affect kids, boys and girls, and how it changes their physical, how it changes their brain when they, when they see it and the effect that it has on them. He's, he's going to do that for us. I want to just take a moment and I want to show you a clip of what this debate is going to look like. Understand it's going to be live. So Ron Jeremy is going to be here and Craig Gross is going to be here. But I want to show you a little clip of what this is going to look like when they come to Evansville. Watch. It is our pleasure to host the the great porn debate. Whatever that means, whatever's going to happen. They've done this debate 60 times, give or take. Craig has written seven books. His latest, Eyes of Integrity, was released in September of 2010. About eight years ago is when I started TripleXShirts.com, and I saw just a huge need uh, with young people that were struggling with porn. I I didn't grow up around porn. I had a hard time finding porn. I I was like, you know, four foot something and could never reach it at the liquor store. He has uh, starred in over 1,800 Triple X films in his 27-year career. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Jeremy, will you welcome him tonight? In all sincerity, I have no problem with what he does. You know, he's sincere, he's not a hypocrite, he cares about kids, cares about his work. I've never caught him ever saying something that he doesn't actually practice himself. He has a problem with my business. 
And for every point he comes out against me, I'll slam dunk each and every one of them. Ron's 5'6", and he wears Crocs, so he's not slam dunking anything. Past their 10, porn star zero, but I'll catch up. No, the average age now that people see pornography is 11. It gets younger and younger every year. The adult industry knows this, and they're not doing anything about it. Average age of first internet exposure to porn, 11 years old. I don't like that, and unfortunately that, that, that exists. Largest consumer of internet porn, 35 to 49 years of age. So while minors do see porn, and it's not something that we like, you know, the majority of viewers are not that age. The other issue that I have with, with pornography, not only are, are kids seeing this, oftentimes it's girls being portrayed as kids. Uh, Larry Flint has a huge line of videos called Barely Legal. They're in pink tails, they're in braces, they're in schoolgirls outfits, and younger is better when it comes to porn. Even Stormy Daniels, a very popular porn star, her logo, if you were to compare that with the Disney logo, you would find almost an exact replica. Can some people be addicted to porn? Yes. Do I like that fact? No, I'm not a fan of that, but it can happen. But you don't blame the organization. The people get addicted to alcohol, that's the number one cause of deaths on the highway, people who drive drunk. Yes. Is somebody going to Seagram 7 and asking them to go out of business? No. You don't blame an organization because some people get addicted and don't do it right. He's going to tell you about all the millionaires that porn has made. Well, just because you give someone a check does not mean they're empowered. Just because a woman in porn makes oftentimes more than guys does not mean they're empowered. My deal with porn is I feel it's very degrading to women. We allow a girl to be booked for a scene, changes her mind, she can feel free to go. I mean, if they spend thousands of dollars on her wardrobe or her makeup or having her hairstylist there or a box cover and she's already in the movie, then maybe she changes her mind. We have no problem with that. The problem that me and Craig face is that he focuses on a select few, and I talk about the majority. Are there some girls who have had problems in the porn business? Of course there are. You know, but the vast majority, the Sakers, Vanessa Del Rio, Samantha Foxes, Annette Havens, I can go on and on and on and on. I mentioned hundreds of girls for every 10 he could think of who are doing perfectly well today. Next to Ron Jeremy, Jenna Jameson. One of the most popular porn stars. You know, she sold her company for $14 million. She said two weeks ago on Fox News, she said, I would not recommend this industry to anyone. Oh, he's acting like these things are so horrible, disgusting, and dirty. It's just sex. It's just sex. That's what it's going to look like. And I anticipate that this is going to be huge. In fact, I want to show you one more thing. Um, I want to show you um, a clip of a news report from a church that did this um, in uh, another place. is in San Diego, actually. I want to show you a news clip from that. Would you guys Jeff show Powers, that? Powers, it is not your typical debate. Tonight, in Point Loma, the Rock Church was ground zero for controversy. The topic, pornography. Antonio Castellan was at tonight's event and joins us live from the church with both sides. Antonio? Jeff, the Rock Church was jam-packed. There wasn't a seat available. People were even turned away. The great porn debate was all about whether it was good or bad for you. It, it is our pleasure to host the, the great porn debate. For the first time at a church, the great porn debate took place. Every time, though, I go first. Ron's scared tonight, but normally he's not. Uh... He's titled The Porn Pasture. 
Craig Gross. Gross has put up an internet site preaching the negatives of porn in our lives. He has a problem with my business, you know, so therefore he attacks my industry, I defend it. And for every point he comes out against me, I'll slam dunk each and every one of them. Just that simple. All right. Jeremy professes the industry is not having a negative impact on people's lives. Well, he and the people he talks to should not watch it. It's the choice of those who choose to see it. Pastor Craig Gross doesn't think so. I, I feel that this is going to ruin people's future sexual experiences because it's not going to live up to what these videos portray. And Gross believes in the end we pay for bringing porn into our lives. Some people are saying, you know what, my wife, they caught me looking at this and I've, she feels like I've, I've cheated on her. The pastor of the Rock Church, Miles McPherson, hosted the event. Well, I just hope people get the truth. A lot of people are involved in pornography and they have this fantasy that it's going to take them someplace happy and they don't face the fact that in the long run it's probably going to do some damage to their relationship. People checking out this debate have mixed views and questions. What it's spurred from, where, where it ever stemmed from, where it came from. Um, it's, a, it's a business. Uh, it's something that people choose to do or not do. Here's just a couple of porn facts. The uh, porn industry rakes in $13 billion a year, and there are 25 million porn sites, and Utah residents subscribe to porn sites more than anyone else. Reporting live in Point Loma, Antonio Castellan, San Diego 6 News. And Jeff Powers, it is not your typical debate. This has never been done here in Evansville. And I think this thing's going to be huge. And I think the impact, the impact it is going to have in this area is going to be enormous. But I hope that you're beginning to understand about City Church is that when we say we want to change the city, we mean it. We're not just using words. My guess is that there were some of you that thought, well, you know, they're going to build a building or they're going to, you know, they've got, they're going to open a new venue or something like that. Because what you're used to, frankly, is churches spending their money on themselves. We want to impact the city for Jesus Christ. We want to be a compassionate agent of grace in the city of Evansville and beyond in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm praying that at least, now that church right there, that church that just did it, they had, they had over 3,000 people that came to this thing and they had to turn people away. I don't know what's possible here in Evansville. I, I'm saying, I'm going to pray that at least 1,000 people are in attendance at these events. And I don't know what God will do. And frankly, that's really none of my business what God does. But I'm praying for at least a thousand people to be a part of this thing in this city. I'm going to do everything I can to get the mayor involved in this. I want to get other churches involved in this. I want to get hospitals in the city involved in this. I want to get counselors involved in the city. Uh, in the city involved in this. I want to get schools in the city involved in this. I want to get colleges in the city involved in this. I want to get businesses. I want to get nonprofit organizations in the city involved in this thing. Now, I suspect that there are some of you that are wondering, well, why do this? Some of you, especially women, you're probably thinking, well, this can't be this big of a deal. You would be tragically wrong about that. It is an enormous deal. Some of you older folks, you're thinking to yourself, it's not a big deal, and um, 
It really doesn't affect us. Let me tell you something. It's destroying your grandkids, or it will destroy your grandkids. Some of you have this thought that church should be G-rated and family-friendly and all of that. Let me tell you something, Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore. The church in the 21st century has to deal with reality. We don't live in a fantasy world. We live in reality. And we have to address these kinds of issues. Parents of girls, you're thinking, well, this doesn't pertain to us. Let me ask you something. Who are your girls going to marry? Some of you are thinking, aren't we contributing to the problem by creating awareness of pornography among kids by doing this? No, 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 no. They're already very aware of it. Some of you are thinking, why city church? Why does city church have to deal with this? Well, let me ask you something. How long has the, how long has the internet been around? Well, whenever Al Gore invented it. That's when it started, right? <laughs> how many churches in Evansville have dealt with this publicly, this subject publicly. If not us, who? Make no mistake, this will be controversial among some. In fact, I would suggest to you that our greatest criticism is going to come from the religious community. Especially this, you know, the the great porn debate thing. That's going to get a lot of criticism from the religious community. I have no doubt about that. But here's my response to those who would criticize us from the religious community. Here's my response. Number one, I don't know how to debate pornography without someone who values pornography, who thinks it's good. Like, I don't know how you get, will you get two pastors to debate pornography? Well, there's not going to be a debate, Right? We've got to bring someone in who, who, who really thinks pornography is great. And let me tell you something. Every young man in college in this city and in the surrounding areas, we're going to go out to other, we're going to go to SIU and Murray State and, and as many places as we can to make this IU, to make this thing. They all know Ron Jeremy. And they would come to this. So I don't know how to do it except to bring someone like that in. Second, if you have a better plan to reach an audience who probably won't come to church to hear about this, tell me the, your plan. And then third, I would, ask the, I would just say this to anybody who criticizes, what is your church doing about this problem? Doing something is better than doing nothing. In fact, that's one of our core values around here, that we have a bias for action. We'll do something because doing something is better than doing nothing. Let me ask you something. Or you may be asking. Let me, let me answer what you may be asking. How can you help? Well, there, listen, there are many ways uh, that you can help, and you'll be hearing about the ways that you can help in the future. But right now, let me just tell you this. We need an army of Facebook and Twitter people who would take this and would go viral with this. That's what we need. Now, even as you're sitting here right now, uh, There is already a tweet out about this from us. You can take that and tweet it to all of your friends. There will be a Facebook post about it that you can just post on your uh, Facebook page. It's already out there. It's already there. Okay, But I want to challenge specifically, I want to challenge a group of people this morning. I want to challenge the older people in the room. 
I don't know how you define older. If you think you're older, then let me challenge you, okay? You come from a generation of people that says that church shouldn't do this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. Your endorsement of this will go a long, long way to making this something that people all over will want to participate in. Your support, your endorsement, your Facebook post, your tweets will make this thing huge if you would be willing to get behind this. And I would just challenge you to do so. I want to tell you something else, another way that you can help. It's going to cost us about $30,000 when it's all said and done to put this thing on. If you would be willing to give above and beyond what you already give to City Church to support it, let's talk. You can contact me uh, by email or by phone or uh, talk to me after a service or something, and we can talk about this. I will promise you this. You will not find another thing that you will invest in that could have such a powerful impact in this community. Your grandkids, your kids are being impacted or being affected by this thing that has become an epidemic. It touches all of us. There's not a family in this room that hasn't been touched by this in some way, and no one's been talking about it. Let's start talking about it. Now, one more thing about this. I want you to understand something, that the way we're going to approach this, this is not going to be a guilt-inducing or shaming event. Not at all. That's not worthy of the name of Christ. We will treat everyone who comes to this event and everyone who participates in this event with the dignity that God created them with. Because Jesus loves porn kings. And Jesus loves porn stars. And Jesus loves porn users. And Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves you. And so we're going to love those people too. We're going to try to get as many counselors that deal with uh, addiction to be a part of this thing so that we can direct people to where they can find help in the city of Evansville if they're wrestling with this. We're going to educate parents. We're going to do everything we can to help people to deal with this challenge that is unique to our um, culture today. It's not just sex, folks. It is way more meaningful, way more powerful than our culture is willing to accept. And that's our, that's our job as a local church, to convey that. But make sure you understand that pornography is not It's not the ultimate issue of life. It's not the fundamental problem with humanity. No one is going to hell because of pornography. The ultimate issue in life is what a person believes about Jesus. Here is Joseph, this well-built, handsome guy who is a little s savior of God's people, who is intended, his 
He's intended to point us to the big S Savior of God's people who was to come, Jesus, who, interestingly, the Bible says, gave up his beauty to become a man who had no stately form, no physical beauty, the Bible says. And who would be the rescuer, not just of one people, but of the whole world, by sacrificing his life on a Roman cross. And he sacrificed it for porn kings and queens, for porn users, for strippers, and for moral religious people who are all lost in their sins. He is the subject and the object of life. He is the head of the church, and we want to glorify him. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to change the city of Evansville. And it's our intention to do that. Nobody's been talking about this, but we're going to. If not us, who? Would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we don't know what you will do with this, but we pray that you would use this in ways that are far more powerful than we could ask or imagine. We pray that you would do something significant in this community. We pray that there would be many who would come to Christ through this event. We pray that there would be many who are addicted to pornography that would find freedom We pray that there would be parents who would be able to rescue children from this plague. We pray that there would be children, boys, girls, men, women, husbands, wives, families that would be changed as a result of what we're doing here. And Lord, we anticipate that there will be spiritual warfare that will be directed at us as a church because of this. But Lord, would you protect us as a church? And would you give us the courage to stand for what is right and to be a compassionate agent in this community? No matter what the cost is. Lord, would you give us that courage? We thank you for the privilege of serving you. We thank you for the privilege of being your voice in this place. And it's in Christ's holy name that we pray this morning.